Hello and welcome to The Narrow Gate. This is Orly, your host again. Nice to be back with you. Um, as I said before, um, I like to do these podcasts as uh, spirit-led, being spirit-led, because um, that's the only way God works in me. Um, I can follow a routine and say, I do this Bible verse, I do this and I do it in routine. I can do that also, but uh, I prefer to be spirit-led for these podcasts so that when God speaks to me then I can share what's going on and uh, if you agree with me you can tell me and if you disagree you can tell me also uh, as I always say I'm open to questions I am not a theologian but I um, have been walking with God for a long time so um, and it's also my calling to share what I know so um Today, I want to look at healing in the Christian community, healing in the believer. The reason I want to look at this is because I've seen so many broken, unhealed Christians. And I'm not talking about a handful. I'm talking about hundreds of them. Okay, that's okay. Yeah, God has compassion and mercy. And God is for the brokenhearted. That's why our churches are so broken, because it's our churches are filled with broken people. God calls broken people. And actually, people don't even come to God until they know they're broken. So it's not that I'm unaware or being unsympathetic. I was completely broken also. It's a good place to start. But to remain that way is not good for the church to grow. It really, really bothers me now, honestly. You know, I've been to many churches. I've been in Ireland for 20 years before I started traveling. So it's not like um, there's a lot of criticism in the church also. And I also think that needs to stop. There's a lot of criticism about how somebody walks out their walk with God. For example, God has called me to be more of an outreach kind of person, an evangelical sort of, you know, I have an evangelical calling or ministry. That doesn't mean that I don't know how to pastor someone or listen to someone. That doesn't mean I don't know how to run a Bible study. It's just that God has called me to go outward, outside the church, talking to believers who are maybe hurt by the church, talking to non-believers. So my calling is different. But there's a toxic thing in the Christian churches that criticize people who do not stay in one church forever. And I have been condemned for that. And I'm just letting this uh, be known to people. You have to follow the call that God gives you. And if there's criticism within the church, that is the problem with the believer who's criticizing. Because anyone in the church who is criticizing other believers has a problem in their own spirit. There is this thing in Ireland, I don't know about other countries. Ireland is very, very small in the Christian community. We're very, very new to born-again churches. We're a Catholic country, mainly, and there's also Protestant churches, but mainly Catholic. So for any Irish person to move from the Catholic church into a kind of a born-again, believing, Bible, 
Bible-believing church, it's going to take time. It's going to take a little bit of a transition. So when I first started going to these churches, I got criticized right, left, and center from believers within these churches in Ireland. And I'm letting it be known because it has to stop. Oh, are you church hopping? Oh, church hop. What is church hopping, I ask you? You see, they just say things that make no sense. And as I continue to research the churches, because that is my calling, as I research the different churches and the different denominations, because Christ has called us to be one, I have seen that this is a trend within the denominations to criticize people who move around because they don't have an open mind that Christ is above all of these churches. So there's a lot of problems in the church, and I am speaking to the broken church, the broken Christian church the, that needs to be redeemed. The church itself needs to be redeemed. And also, since I left Ireland, I have been to many different churches as well. Some are great, some are amazing, and I learn so much, and I get inspired, and they help me, and they welcome me, and they love that I have a ministry that goes around the world helping young people who are wandering around the world lost. Some people actually bless me and support me in my journey. They don't tell me, oh, you're church hopping. I'm a mature woman. You know, to talk to a mature woman and call her church hopping, what is it? This happened to me many years ago. It's just an example, what I had to endure to push. I had to push past that. Because in Ireland, there's lots of criticism within churches. But I know it's the same in America and other countries and the UK and wherever else. Different countries as well. So I am not criticizing the church. I am raising awareness that there is brokenness and we individually need healing. I am not fully healed yet. I am on a journey. God is healing me. He's working in many areas of my life. I'm always on the path to healing. I always ask for help from Christ and I am a lot further on than I was at the beginning. So Somewhere early in my walk with God, when I was in the Catholic Church, I had a strong, strong belief within my spirit that I needed to be healed. I used to go to all the healing services in the Catholic Church. I went to every single one of them, and I used to sit there, and I thought really in my innocence that I would be healed instantly. And um, I really did. I say, God, I went to that healing service and that healing service and I poured out my heart and I repented and I'm still not healed. So i just sharing that because healing is not an overnight thing. It's a journey and it's ongoing. And the more that people know that they need healing, the less they will be criticizing others. It is a problem with self-righteousness. When people are self-righteous, they believe, oh, I go to church now. I'm all cleaned up. And now I'm all righteous and holy. And now I can condemn and criticize others because I have now found Jesus. And again, 
that is totally wrong. For one, righteousness is not something you can earn yourself. Righteousness is a free gift given to you by Christ when you give your life to Jesus. So you will have your righteousness in Christ. It is a blessing. We are giving it. We can't earn it. And this is where I see many problems in the churches. And fellowship is hard to find. Why? Because I go to the churches sometimes. I'm talking about my experience. But other people have told me also. It is quite rare to find good fellowship within Christian circles the more you grow. Why? Because they're more into works than they are into loving one another. You will see many people in churches and they are so busy serving that they don't even talk to one another. Oh, I'm just doing the ministry. I'm setting up the worship here. Oh, I'm just getting the food prepared. Oh, I'm just cleaning up after the food. Oh, I'm just... And this is going on and on in all the churches. And I'm not even going to water it down and say, oh, well, you know, we need food. No, well, yeah, we need a little food, but I'm not going down that road. The food is supposed to be a secondary thing. Yes, we break bread together, but we don't have to be having one big party after another after another. Why can't we have a cup of tea, keep it simple, share the gospel, have parties occasionally? I have been in churches where the parties, 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 functions, putting up tables, taking down tables, decorating, decorating, and I'm thinking, okay, how many times are you going to redecorate the church? Can we just go and hear the word of God and start healing? So sometimes church is worse than the world with the busyness. So where do we start? We start with ourselves. We start with one person at a time. You start with yourself. I don't know if you're a pastor. I don't know if you're a leader. I don't know. I have, uh, there's a lot of leaders on this following me on this um, this podcast and I'm delighted and I think it's because I'm free and I'm not in tide. I, I go to church wherever I live. I, be, I become part of a community. When I was in Vietnam, I joined two churches there, the international one, and then I also was part of um, Korean Vietnamese church. I go to, I, I go to church where I live. And if I move, I go to church there. And I'm not going to have to justify that to anybody because this is my calling. And I don't think anybody should be questioning somebody where they choose to serve God because you don't know why God has asked them to move to another church. Maybe your church is not very good. Maybe you're not meeting their needs. Maybe you're not talking to them. Maybe you're not listening to them. Maybe it's boring. We have to get to the truth, and that's why I'm doing a podcast. Because, yeah, I mean, if I went into a pulpit and started saying this, I'd be kicked out of the church. Jesus, you know how Jesus was treated. So I'm using my podcast as a way to speak the truth. So the prophet Isaiah 
uh, said he was anointed to bring the good news to bind up the brokenhearted. Yeah, that was Isaiah the prophet, right? So us as born again Christians, when we're saved, we are supposed to be helping people who are broken or who are stuck in wrong thinking. I'm not criticizing people. I'm saying, will you look at yourself? Will you listen to yourself? What are you saying to one another? Are you spending time together? There's a lot of this large groups of people together, which is great. We need fellowship. We need worship. We need all that. We need to come together on Sunday. But we have to have small little fellowship meetings to develop each other, to be accountable. Yeah? And sort of to, uh, you know, be challenged. It's okay to be challenged by someone. Sometimes if I say something to somebody just to try to help them, and I do it in the most gentle way as God will guide me because God is like that with me. When God has to rebuke me or correct me or discipline me, it hurts me. I don't like it, but I accept it. And I and if a believer who is who would point it out to me also would tell me honestly, Orna, what you did I don't like why i can say but if you don't tell me i won't know so we owe it to one another to be honest to be transparent i had one friend who told me that uh, that she was so good she was a good person she told me that she was a good person as a christian and i said okay it's good yeah but to be honest we're not good None of us are good, only God. So no matter how long I am saved, if I give myself that title that I am good, I am, that, that is almost dangerous. So openness, transparency, honest communication, that is healthy. I'm not going to even say it's good. I'm saying it's healthy. We need to talk to one another. There's so many frictions in meetings. But that's a good thing because we're supposed to, we're supposed to, iron sharpens iron. We're supposed to help one another. We're supposed to get a little bit annoyed with one another, but not break out into reactivity, reaction and fighting and getting angry. If someone disagrees with us, we need to take it, take it as a time of reflection. Now, I understand all these things are very difficult to human race. We are difficult. We are difficult people. But if you are a leader of any group, in any church, a Bible meeting, pastor, or even if you're just on the, um, you know, helping with uh, organizing events, and you're not literally, you know, teaching the Bible or anything, but you're there serving, gathering people together, use it as a time to build people up Listen to people, and when they're broken, listen to them and try to correct them softly and gently. And sometimes you might have to set boundaries with people. I've had to do it too. I had a young girl in a church recently. She was from another country, and uh, she was actually abusive even in her language. But she thought because I was a mature Christian that I might accept that, but I didn't accept it. I can't. 
I had to tell her I can't accept that kind of behavior. I'm sorry. You know, she wasn't happy with that, but we don't have to accept any abuse, any, any bad behavior, any harsh criticism. We just need to be more open in the church. And as I said, it starts individually. It's the same with revival. Revival begins individually, one person at a time. God saves one person at a time. So we have all these people go with their mad, oh, crusades, and we want a big crusade and whatever. Okay, uh, crusades are good. They get the energy, the momentum, and we want them, and they're wonderful. But where is the after? Where is the follow-up of the crusades? How many people who said, I take, uh, uh, they could follow an altar call. I follow Christ now. And, you know, the next day, or a week later, they're back to their old life again. We're not criticizing the person who said, yes, they got carried away with the momentum and the energy and the joy. You know, they got carried away in the spirit, maybe a little bit, or emotionally, or their friends were doing it, or the music threw them in. Like it, It's really good, but there's no follow-up care, so what happens? They fall away. That's brokenness in the church as well, you know? So if you are a new believer or you're not a believer, then you need to uh, try to ask God to help to heal you, you know, that you need healing. But if you are a Christian who's on the journey a long time and you're in a church or you're leading groups or young people, I recommend that you start opening up conversations with them. Develop an atmosphere of love, loving one another, talking to one another, asking each other, how, how are you? Real, genuine friendship and love within the community because Christians are meant to be like a family. But I don't actually like it. some churches that call their church a family because of so many dysfunctional families. But we are in the family of God. But let us remember that it's a church family. And it's not like the broken families that we came from or we might have come from. There are many Christians who have grown up and they're being very blessed in really, really nourishing Christian homes. And that's amazing and a blessing. But I think it's, it's um, not that common. It's more common that people have suffered and if the churches are not places where people can come and be healed, well then, what are we even doing? Again, when I was in Ireland and I was going around the different churches researching for myself and for my work and because God led me, I noticed that a lot of Christians that were taking their walks seriously had to go and get counseling, had to go to get coaches, had to go to 12-step meetings, had to go to recovery groups, had to go to uh, retreats that they paid money for because in the churches there was not enough. Now, I did receive a lot in the early churches, though, 
as well that brought me to a certain level when I was in Ireland. I mean, I really did. And even in the Catholic Church, I got a lot of help. I went to a church in Ireland as well up on Gardner Street. It was a um, the Gospel Church, and it was by the um, run by the Jesuits. And I got a lot of help there when I was in my thirties. And uh, Brendan McManus is one of the priests there, and. Uh, He's writing a lot of books now, and then I really, really think he's an amazing man of God. So, um, and there was a choir, which was really good choir for young people, and we went on retreats and everything. I mean, they did everything. So we really, really got a good start there. And then I went to a church, St. Mark's Church in Dublin, and I really got a lot of help there as well in the early stages when I was really broken, and I found St. Mark's Church really helpful in Dublin, Ireland. Um, and there are many other churches there as well. So I also went to other churches there to visit. I went to the uh, Presbyterian Church. I also went to um, John Heron's uh, Church, the All Nations. Um, and I visited quite a few churches there who were doing great work. But there also is that danger always where small fellowship, there's not enough of it in my mind. So the scripture from Isaiah is, uh, Isaiah writes, uh, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners. So we are all prisoners until we are saved. And even, you know, we can be prisoners to our thinking. We can be prisoners to depression, anxiety, wrong thinking from dysfunctional backgrounds. Wrong thinking is really, uh, is why we behave dysfunctionally. And so God says, uh, be you transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you will know the will of God. So um, that is what it means to heal, is to transform your thinking. And then you will know the will of God and you will be able to carry it out. But we have to transform our mind and we have to heal. So healing is huge in the Christian community and it's not... There's not enough said about it. But anyway, that's why more people are coming now and writing about how Christians need to heal. And there's a beautiful Psalm, Psalm 34, where it says that God is close to the brokenhearted and he wants to help us. Now, I always can include myself as broken because there's always areas that we're working on. I have come a long way, as I said, but now if I call, talk about broken, there's different areas as we mature. So, um, But God is with us in it. So it's really important that we keep asking God to help us with our brokenness, help us to see where we are broken and how we can improve. Now, as I'm on my own journey, sometimes when we're moving into um, a deeper relationship with God, we have to move either alone for a while, spend a lot of time alone so that we can really hear from God. And then we may have to move to relationships that are stronger and more healthy to help us um, to heal from um, big 
because if we've come from difficult, if there has been anything in the back, you know, in the past, um, and if those people haven't been changing while you're changing, well, you're never going to change if you stay with them. You don't have to hurt them, but you may have to separate or set boundaries at least until you develop this new mind that Christ puts in you because Christ puts a new mind in us, but it's not uh, immediate. We have to work with Christ. We have to co-labor with Christ as the mind changes. And it's so difficult to change our mind and change ourselves and change our behavior because we're programmed from so young. And so I've been following some teaching about, uh, you know, sometimes we have difficulty with people. You know, as we're changing. And we think that, oh, I'll go, I'll fix that relationship and get them to change. But they won't change because they're not ready. And so we have to remember that we cannot change other people. So it's hard because as you're changing, if others aren't changing, it could be your family, it could be even your spouse, it could be siblings, it could be parents. And if you're changing and God is healing you, but they are still walking in darkness and you keep going back trying to change them, you're wasting your time and you're actually even, uh, you're hindering your own growth. So it's basically, I remember years ago said, you know, you can't bring others over the bridge until you're over the bridge yourself. So you just have to, find a way of not um, trying to change them and working on yourself. So the thing is to focus on yourself. And this can be in the small scale on the individual, but it's also where the problem in the church is, in the bigger scale, you know? Oh, look at us, we're a great church. Look at us, we're a great church and everything. But are they really looking at themselves, you know, individually? So this is the healing, but God is close to us. In Psalm 34, 18 to 20, I put it here in the newsletter, it says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and save those who are crushed in spirit. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. So God is with you in it as you heal. You can also pray for your en for your enemies, but also help from your enemies. You're going to have enemies as soon as you start walking with God. So just it, it it's just expect it, you know. And sometimes, as I said, when I went to the churches all those years ago in Ireland, when I was just you know sort of developing my faith and trying to get stronger and learn more and. You know, I was doing what I had to do, you know, but I was being criticized by people in the church. But thankfully, I just prayed that God would forgive them, that I had a choice to do that if I wanted to do that, that I was allowed to do that, that nobody had a right to tell me not to do this or that. Or, um, it was none of their business what I did. But thankfully, God gave me the strength. But I didn't like it, I must admit. I didn't like people speaking to me like that. But, um, you know, 
I hope that type of that type of um, talking will stop. But anyway, it's immature believers that speak like that. So another thing we all have to remember as Christians, and you, if you are not a Christian or you were a Christian, you're not going to the church now and you don't want to go back, just remember that in the church there you will have enemies within that church. And I'm not saying that you should leave the church. If God plants you in a church and there are people in that church who are against you, making your life difficult, saying, passing comments, but God has asked you to stay in that church, stay in that church. Not everybody in the church is born again. Not everybody is following God. Yes, it's true. It's true. Um, but don't let that put you off from not going to church because that's just the way it is. You have to just wait. And then the real believers, um, in time you will see who the real believers are and you can fellowship with them. The rest might or might not come, come around and grow. It depends. But you can pray for your enemies, but you can also pray to be helped from your enemies. Another psalm here I have looking at is psalm 143 um verse 9 to 10 this is um probably king david because he's written all the psalms most of them it says rescue me from my enemies lord for i hide myself in you teach me to do your will for you are my god may your good spirit lead me on level ground so just ask god to help you with your enemies and also to love your enemies and um, that's another um, command to love your enemies so um, that doesn't mean you have to go and have coffee with your enemy if they're going to sit there and abuse you um, what does it mean it means you know don't have hatred in your heart towards them don't speak badly of them you might tell a friend that you know if it helped just if you were looking for someone like more of like a kind of a for counsel for somebody mature if it was to help unburden it but you don't want to have any resentment in your heart against them love your enemy you pray that they would be saved you pray that they would change but you can't do anything about it it's not in your hands and another thing to keep remembering is that the lord loves the righteous and although I said at the beginning, some people are acting self-righteous, and it is true. Self-righteousness has nothing to do with righteousness. <laughs> Same wording, I know, but self-righteousness is not righteousness. It's just a false pride. It's just like false fake. It's not even humility. It's actually pride. So self-righteousness is the opposite to righteousness, really. And God loves the righteous. The righteous person will look at their own behavior. They will look at their own sin. They will ask God to shine light on their sin. They will confess and repent regularly, every day even. They will pray for their enemies. And they will ask God to heal them on a regular basis. And they will commit to the journey, the healing journey, because we have to heal. And why do we have to heal? Because God has created you to be saved 
and to be made whole emotionally, mentally, spiritually, your soul and spirit, your mind, to be whole, to be transformed, which means to be made holy. So that's God's ultimate plan, that each and every one of us would be made holy. And then at the right time, when it's time for us to die, that we would just move on into heaven gracefully and it's not going to be any major transition or fear. A lot of people fear death and we know that. But if we journey while we're here on earth alive and we're journeying with God and healing and becoming whole, we will eventually be ready. Be ready for heaven. Be ready to die and go to heaven. Because born again, that's our hope that we have an eternity in heaven with Christ Jesus. We will be back with Christ. But it starts here on earth once you're saved. That's the message. That is the message. That's why Jesus died on the cross, so that we will be saved of our sin and to be made righteous and holy and blameless before Christ, and that we would return to heaven, return home to the Father in heaven. And that's our that's our hope as a Christian. And that's the healing journey. And it doesn't happen overnight. So if you have met any holy people on the journey who are very, you're just like, wow, that person is so gracious. That person is very, uh, like occasionally we will meet people who are on the journey a very long time and they, they just sort of radiate, well, Christ really. And it's absolutely beautiful. And so that's what we all want. We would like to... Well, we should want and desire to be holy as Christ is holy. So thank you for listening. And um, yeah, anyone who knows me, I don't hold back the truth because that's what the truth is. The truth is uh, opposite to the world. And I do pray for the churches and that they are um, growing. And I pray that we are all growing and healing in Christ Jesus. If you have any questions, uh, please leave them in the comments below. I did get a question from one uh, listener, Carlin Hastings, um, but um, I didn't answer it here, Carlin, because I didn't think it was relevant. Um, I think it'd be better maybe to, if it is still a question, just to send it to me privately because it was about... Um, it was about a fear of y your fear of being open about your faith or why why have you got a fear of being open about your faith and I didn't think it required a whole podcast to answer that question so um, I would just say there's two reasons one is that you don't feel strong in your faith you don't feel strong enough and the second reason for that, I would say, is um, fear of man. You know, you worry about what people think of you. It's not easy to stand before people and say, yeah, I follow Jesus. I'm a, you know, I'm a Christ follower. I'm a disciple of Jesus. Yeah, I don't do that. No, I don't do that. 
oh, I don't watch programs like that on television. No, I don't get drunk. Oh, no, I don't curse. No, I don't like it. If I do, I repent. Like, that's just not of the world. So there, there would be my two reasons, Carolyn. I hope that helps you a little bit. Please, if it is... If it is a big question, if you could send it to me, maybe in the comments below or privately somewhere on the email. Yeah, you have the email address. You could send a private message and, and just maybe tell me maybe where's the situation because it's very hard for me to answer a question just out in the air. Usually people have a personal story attached to their question and without that story, it's hard for me to answer the question. So... Um, if it is a burning question, anybody as well as Carolyn, if you have a burning question and you don't want to put it publicly here, please send it to the email address um, and you can send it privately and I will answer what I know. And if I don't know, I will ask ask others and, or find the answer for you. So uh, once again, thanks for listening and I hope you all have a great week. Talk to you soon. God bless.